Let me guess. You're bummed because your acceptance letter from a certain school of witchcraft and wizardry was never delivered by Owl. Or you're sitting there wishing you could find more stories about wizarding schools that are a little more inclusive and open. I was just like you. Well, that was until I discovered Saved by the Spell. From Dreamer Productions, the company behind podcasts like Saturday Morning Confidential and Exit Stage Death comes Saved by the Spell. Your spellbinding gateway taking you chapter by chapter through magical academies from across this literary reality and the next. Class starts in November where you will go inside Breakbills University for magical pedagogy from Lev Grossman's The Magicians. Saved by the Spell can be found exclusively on Dreamer Productions' Patreon feed by following the link in the show notes below. So get ready, students, to be saved by the spell. Welcome back, Serial Killers, to another deep dive into the vibes of Saturday Morning Confidential. I'm here again to make you sit through another dose of the most cringeworthy cringe, and I'm not even sorry about it. Last year... We did Twilight. Today we are doing the Twilight Saga New Moon. And I have to bring back my good friend, Rachel Bodner, who was on the first episode with me, and her incredible wife, Stephanie Harris. Welcome both to the show. Hi. Hey, what's up, Maddie? So for anyone who didn't listen to the first episode, Ray, why don't you reintroduce yourself to everyone? Hi, I'm Rachel. I work in one of the many theme parks here in Orlando. Don't speak for the brand or company you know legalese you know how it goes (laughs) other than that i just love going to the parks and i love me some twilight and steph haven't you introduced yourself to everybody for the first time hi i'm stephanie i'm married to that wonderful person you just heard and i also work in one of the many theme parks but i do not speak for the brand of the company (laughs) we don't want to get fired can you tell and uh, i'm a huge twilight fan and i've actually been to forks washington i love that you brought it up because i was going to if you did not so i mean it's like twilight's become something that is just like super memed now it's a little cringeworthy but like i really do appreciate that in many ways people are not ashamed of their love of Twilight at some shape or form because it was really at a time where YA fiction was revolutionizing like pop culture and was bringing people back into reading and maybe getting people into reading who hadn't read since they were forced to read in high school. Uh, So Steph, why don't you start and then Rachel will jump back over to you uh, for a refresher, but how did you find Twilight to begin with uh, for the books? Ironically, my mom brought it to me yeah, because I had just finished reading the Harry Potter Great. books, and I needed something in between because mm-hmm. I was, I'm one of those chicks that has to have something to read fictional mm-hmm. in between, and she brought it to me after reading the first book, Twilight, and then all of a sudden she goes, oh my gosh, there's like three more books, and everything that my mom reads has to be a series. Of course. And it did actually pull me back into reading, like you just said, mm-hmm. and I yes, there's a lot of grammatical errors in that book. However, mm-hmm. it was great for the time. Yeah, like, like you said, Absolutely. and the books are so much better than the movies. Just saying. Well, I mean, and it's you know that's not a very the the movies get better, and I think we'll talk about that, Rachel. You and I talked about that a lot with Twilight last oh, year. Yeah. Is that like you have to have somewhere to start. 
but yeah, no, I, I agree that I, I also think it's funny because you, like me, come from an evangelical Southern background. Yeah. So like, that's so funny that your mom brought this to you, but I've also met your mom and it just checks out yeah. <laughs> this sweet, wonderful woman that she is. Uh, but Ray, why don't you remind everybody kind of like how you came to Twilight? Well, I too was introduced to it by my mother, but at least she read this first before giving it to me, unlike when she gave me the Wicked novel. Oh, no! <laughs> I learned a lot I did not want to know in uh, eighth grade. I can imagine the tiger guy alone is so much. Yeah, but anyways, I fell in love with the books, fell in love with the movies, and at this point, I'm going to go ahead and say it, this is our generation's breakfast club for the emo kids. Honestly, it's true. I think it's what empowered so many like straight emo boys to have the pure audacity that they still have today is like Absolutely. Kyle's and Kevin's of the world. Like, I'm coming for all of you straight boys. Edward walked so Kylo Ren could run. Oh my God, you are so absolutely correct. Like, we only have the Adam Drivers of the world because of the Robert Pattinson's then. But also like, I just have to say, this like this is a podcast where we stand Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart as their like growth as people, their growth as actors because they're phenomenal performers. Yeah. Uh, and especially like with Kristen Stewart since she has come out, embraced her queerness, her Charlie's Angels. Like it's just one of those things that when you watch, you and I touched on this a lot, Rachel, with the first Twilight that like. It's so, and then this one, it's, I felt like it's all I was focusing it on. You can tell Kristen is trying to be so much of someone that she's not and like Straight. doing so much of this because <laughs> this was also that time where like you have Vanessa Ann Hudgens and, and Zach Efron who were together because they were a pair. And so you had Kristen and Robert who were together because they were a pair in the movies. And like, it's just that time, but it just feels so forced. There's just so much of that now that we're just so much more aware of where before it was like, there is no romance like Edward and Bella. Which, you know, it's one of those things. And because this is where, I think we talked a little bit about it last time, but we have to talk about it. Also because, for anyone who does not know, Hot Topic has just re-released shirts with the posters from this movie oh, no, on it. No and they've just re-released Team Edward, Team Jacob shirts. Oh. So, like, I think we all need to go get one. Okay, yes. Hot Topic. Oh, so. See, they're Team Jacob, I'm Team Edward, because I've read Midnight Sun. Listen, yes, I, have. I, I, have, I haven't, and I just mm -hmm. was like, I don't want to know what a 109-year-old, 17-year-old boy is thinking and why his novel is so much fatter than the original novel. And so, also, because I was like, I don't need that cringe, I guess, as an older, but also just because I think there are years of, like, reading Twilight fan fiction, like myself, that I just... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's I'm, okay. You can just say Fifty Shades of Grey. No. Oh my god. Oh my god. No. Actually, never read it. Won't see it. It's. I, I do not like what it has done. The wrong fan fiction. Uh, the right? wrong fan fiction. No. I mean, I'm like my immortal trash. Like. Oh my to, god. Yeah. My I immortal. mean, but I mean, I also I was a big stan of Bella Alice fanfic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because to me, they're like the clear pairing out of the. the they had the best chemistry out of every in those movies also ashley green is trying to do the lord's work in these movies she i think we can just like jump is. in and start talking about it but like so this is another example of like they chose what to kind of focus on from the book and what they chose not to focus on and the big thing that steph pointed out and and like that i kind of honed in on because you know i probably have not reread these books since i read them originally okay. Um, they kept me company many, many months on the New York City subway system going to and from work. Um, 
But like so much of New Moon is the focus of Alice and Bella's friendship, which is yeah. gone yeah, other than out. other than Bella writing her the letters. And that's really just to keep time moving forward. Also, time in this universe is inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just one of those things I consistently, even when the movie's like it's spinning around her and giving us this very, t- listen, I know Taylor Swift had been making music at this point, but if she'd been like catastrophically as famous as she is now, much to my chagrin, I feel like <laughs> an entire Twilight movie would have done, been done by Taylor Swift. Yeah, like, it, especially because wasn't she dating Taylor Lautner just after this? Yes. Like they were together yes, just was. after this? It was T-squared. Because they were both in New Year's Eve together, that movie. Yeah, I yeah, a big. It's one of those like Love Actually style movies. It's oh, when gotcha. they did That's Valentine's why. Day and New Year's Eve, and they tried to make them those like big montage movies. But because the Americans don't do things as well as the Brits, it just didn't work. We truly don't. So, I, I guess watching this for me, you know, I still enjoy it. It's also fun to watch with you guys. It's <laughs> fun to watch with friends. There's just so much more cringe, and I, I maybe this is just my thing, but I never like the protagonist of a series. I, I never like like I don't care for Harry Potter as a character, despite past what past J.K. being absolutely awful. I didn't particularly care about Percy Jackson and Percy Jackson. I did love Annabeth though. Yeah. That's the oh, rare yeah. exception where I did love the love interest. And in this movie, I could not give two shits about Edward and Bella, but I love everybody else. Yeah. You know, so it's just one of those things. What are some of those things that you think maybe just missed? the mark from the translation from the book into the movie. Well, like you were saying, um, there was a lot of different spots where the friendship was built Mm -hmm. with Alice. And then you see it in the movie and all it is is her writing the emails to her. But what we don't understand if you haven't read the books is that they were as close as her and Edward were. Mm -hmm. And she basically knew everything. And see, my biggest thing is like, setting it up they should have known for for the third one eclipse that in order for it to move forward they needed to show the love that she had because when alice hate to spoil but when alice leaves it really hurts bella because this is the second time she's left Mm -hmm. and i just think that if they just would have put a little bit more juge between Mm -hmm. those two we would have been able to love Alice more as a character, mm-hmm. but Ashley Green knew going in that she might have gotten slated. Like, she mm-hmm. saw the first, and they did talk to her about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just, I wish that they would have just, just two or three clips mm-hmm. of them. Just a little more. Also, because we see so little of the other Cullens, other than the, no, I think the birthday party scene is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they. They did a really nice job because you have a different director in this. It's the same screenwriter, but it's a different director than the first film, which, I mean, a lot of clear things were changed. You could tell they were moving towards understanding the franchise as a whole. I believe she was writing Breaking Dawn when this movie came out. So, and she was not super involved in the project. She was involved enough to have like cameos and things, but like, she wasn't giving them script notes and things like they just weren't interested in her particular version of it, which, you know, when you go back and read the books, it is clear that she has no experience writing. Correct. Absolutely. And you can tell that she is all offense to Mormons. I'm just going to say that like, you can tell that she's like repressed in her own idea of genre because 
you can tell she's a woman in her 20s writing what was missing from her own like life as a teenager. Correct. So I think a lot of that is still just a little cringeworthy because like what the thing I've always appreciated Bella is she's supposed to be the every woman. Yeah. She's not so, like they describe her as cute, but like she's not drop dead gorgeous. She's kind of reclusive and and very introverted and clumsy. and clumsy and so it's one of those things that it's kind of funny that all of the guys are kind of falling over her um and you know but i think it's because you know stephanie myers i think was trying to do a more approachable female lead that felt like you again that, that thing when that. the thing when you write yourself into your own au fan fiction or your 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 own your OC into uh, my Teen Titans fan fiction of middle school. That's, <laughs> that's another thing with Alice because Alice was beautiful, but she was weird. She's and, quirky. Yeah, she and, was the manic pixie dream girl. Yes, and then you had Rosalie, who is the bitchy beautiful. pretty girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and again, I we even said this during the movie that like Nikki Reed is working so hard to make the most of the three lines they gave her in this, Absolutely. where then suddenly in Eclipse. We learn so much about her because yeah. there's a great scene. I think it's her in the tent with Bella. Her a one-on-one with Bella when we find out her yeah. backstory because it's. Or was that in Breaking Dawn? It might be Breaking Dawn because it's right before Bella is turned. Yes. But she does. So it's she when did she's a still phenomenal. Job. Yeah, and you know it's one of those that like, you could tell there was way more budget with this movie. Absolutely. Like just alone, they didn't rely on that blue filter, even though Rip that blue filter. This one almost looked a little yellow, but uh, you know that also is like when you think of a new moon. Wait, is new moon the one that's completely blacked yes. out? Yeah, yeah. So like a new moon is dark, but everything's going to have kind of an unearthly hue to it. So like, I guess when you're tying those things together, but it it made Forks look a little more real. And that's fair. And to be honest, because I have been there, what you see in New Moon is what Forks is. It yeah. is exactly mm-hmm. pinpoint. Now, I will say, those that like Twilight, I'm sorry, but it is the smallest town of that I've ever been near. But the res is huge. Mm-hmm. The reservation is beautiful now that is something for me now again it's because it's been a long time since i've read lee read these though i always have the the longing to reread eclipse rewatch it and read the, it's the best one and yep. read the a short second life of brie tanner which is phenomenal and you cannot tell me stephanie meyer's worth that yeah you no, cannot tell me had to because it was so good yeah so good um but we get the wolf pack for the first time we really meet we get to meet the wolves. We get to see more of Billy. We get to see, you know, uh, Charlie's got a great role in this. But so m- from my memory, there's so much that is left out about the wolf's relationship with Bella, her friendship with Jacob and the other boys, because it's not just with Jacob. She forms a really nice um, friendship with Aubrey and, and uh, what's the other name? Mm. Of his Biffles. Emery? Emery. Emery. Yep. And so, oh, and, uh, and so it's just, you know, we learn so much more about them. I believe we meet. Ubu in the next one. Yes, but I thought we met Leah in this book. We did. We did. So, like, and Leah not being there, I mean, she's great in the next movie. Absolutely. There there are a couple things that I think they chose to streamline 
because in the book it felt more natural to me going between the Cullen storyline and because Alice is still present as a, a way with Bella, it's not out of the blue when she just shows up at the house. Correct. Um, and so in this, you know, also because Esme cares so much about Bella. There's just so much, because like I am, I might be one of the only huge Esme stands out there, but like I stand Esme as a character, her strength and in going into Eclipse and then Breaking Dawn really being the matriarch. I think she's, she's wonderful. She's such a mom. mom. Yeah. And she's even a mom to the wolves in many ways once they get to that point oh, in Breaking yeah, Dawn. She actually makes sure that they eat mm -hmm. when they're protecting Bella, even though some of them, Leah, is reluctant. She makes sure that they are fed, yeah. that they have water. And I, th I think it's really She's important. She's a good pet owner. <laughs> <laughs> She's, I think it's really important that we're seeing that maternal side of her, but also just that like every Cullen has their own ability and Esme's is care. Yeah. She might not have a power like the rest of them does because she doesn't have a power, right? No, no. She and Carlisle. Yeah, really. she and Carlisle, which is actually the really, and really, yeah, and it's really, Emmett doesn't either. He's just big, big, strong boy. He's, he's just the strongest he's boy. He's got the himbo power. Yeah, he's got that original himbo. But, like, it's in... I mean, Rosalie doesn't either. So it's really, it's... Yeah, Rosalie's just... Her power is her scathing wit. Oh, know? that's true. That's absolutely true. She can but, hurt you with her words. You know, and it's it's actually... I think the humanity that both Carlisle and Esme are able to keep as their vampire selves, one is what kind of cements their relationship with the, the, the Quillettes... And it also, I think, makes us care about them as characters. So again, the absence of them so much, and I, I know like Carla and Esme are not in the book other than the very beginning and the very end, sure. but it is, they're missing those relationship building moments and they're focusing in just on Jacob's love of Bella and not Bella learning to be friends with someone again. And I, I will say, if we are delving a little bit from New Moon into Eclipse, the reason that I'm not Team Jacob, no one hate, was because in Eclipse, he, Jacob was just annoying. I'm sorry, guys. But, yeah. like, I want Bella, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I say I won't. You know, yeah. like, over and over. And that's, I wish that's Bella would call. I wish Bella wouldn't call. <laughs> and so, what up, Loka? Where you been? Uh, when he said it. when he uh, Yeah, when he said it, we all went, wow, he said the thing. He did the meme thing. But no, I, I agree. And I do, you know, I think it is that thing where we all want, you know, because then of the early 90s and 80s, you had not teenagers playing teenagers, really, in the 90s. Yeah. Where in this, you have people who are tangentially very closest to the age. But it's like, I had to look up how old Taylor Lautner was when we filmed this. And he was actually 17. Wow. Yeah, like... He, he was born in 92. This came out in 2000. They filmed in 2009 and it came out in 2009. I'm the same age as Taylor Lautner. Yeah, absolutely. And oh so it's my God. one, it really, as an adult, makes me go, one, oh my God, they ethically had that little boy get his. And we talked about it because it comes up with Boo Boo Stewart as Seth in the next movie where he gets called and he gets absolutely ripped and he was like 14 years old. Yeah. Taylor is 17 years old with this. He was 16 or 15, 16 in the first movie. Yeah. So it's one of those things ethically having an actor that gets like superhero shred because like he's still smaller than the Marvel boys. Uh, and I, I understand that he needs to be the most shredded of them because, you know, spoiler alert, he's the alpha. He's actually the alpha. Yeah. That I is mean, his 
place. This, this isn't his first role as a superhero. Type that is thing, true, though. but also he was fully covered in nine or ten when he played Shark Boy, but he did come back and play Shark Boy again, didn't he? Didn't he do the in the newer one? The newer one. It. It's I Netflix. Am. Yeah, I forget what it's called because it's not really. Do I, I know. You mean Netflix didn't cancel something? Yeah, well, it's a movie. Uh, uh, but Lava Girl didn't come back, but I think he came back. It was one of the, one of the two. Someone will correct us online. We know you will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's those moments. And I understand what they were trying to do by those moments of seeing the like disembodied Thanos sand version of Edward mm. over and over again. Because like... I believe that's in the book where she talks it about, is. like, she'll see the operation of him. And they did live some key moments of, like, her on her on the motorbike, her on the thing. But there are also the key relationships where, I remember in the book, too, she really launches... No, you're fine. Uh, she really launches back into the friendship with Mike and with all of the, the, like, mortal kids of Forks. And we only get it in, like, one scene. And, like, Anna Kendrick's obviously there being like, girl, I will collect this franchise paycheck. I'll do it. And then she forgets she was in them. Does she forget <laughs> her shoes? Well, I mean... That's uh, another thing that was left out of the films from the books. And, yes, I know I'm no stickler for saying this, but you see the relationship between Anna's character, Anna Kendrick, and Bella as well. Because how do we know that, you know, Bella kind of... She's annoying. Bella, Bella thinks she's annoying. Yeah. And... Edward actually even divulges that he can hear all of Anna Kendrick's thoughts. like thoughts yeah. about him, and it's annoying to Edward, so he tells yeah. Bella, yeah. and then they both kind of resent her. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's one of those things of like Bella clearly always wants what she doesn't have, but like she is a group of people who are like clawing to be her friend in this, and you know, you've also got the like at all point and a, a lot of it has to do with charlie but like jacob and his family and all of the kids on the res are so open and welcoming to bella we saw it in the first movie when they go out to the beach it's la push baby la push. la push but like she's so lucky that everybody is so willing to like die for her correct because like coming yeah. in like you can't talk about new moon without eclipse because there are certain moments where you can tell that stephanie myers was a first-time writer because the first movie isn't really setting anything up, the no. first book. No. And then the second book is setting up a third and a fourth book. Because, mm -hmm. you know, at that point, they kind of knew what they were getting. But this, there are two very disjointed versions of the story. You, yeah. you, you meet the wolves and you meet the Voltari. And so you have the fear of the Voltari hanging over them the entire third book. Because Bella, you know, while... Bella's and there is something I think that's really fun that they do in this and they focus a little more in it on the movie because you kind of have to because they have to be heavy handed with the dialogue is Bella's focus on aging and getting older and time passing and even Jacob brings it up he's just like yo what's you're like a year older than me why are you so focused on this and that is before he understands I mean before he knows the Cullens before he or like knows their vampires understands maybe that aspect of it but it's also Stephanie Meyer was tapping into the millennial mm -hmm. feeling of I mean, we have one foot in the grave at all times. She is millennial, so it does make sense. Cause she's she really she's like, not that much older than us. Oh she's like God. maybe eight years older than us, so she's probably an elder millennial. Oh. Um, yeah, because she can, she understands me. Yeah. 
Because I think she was in her early 30s when they came out, so now she'd be in her early 40s. It makes yeah, sense. I feel, I'm in my early 30s, and I feel like I'm I've got one foot in the grave. I also feel like I've got one foot in the grave in my late 30s. Uh, that might just be us working in theme parks. Oh, God, just working, period. Being of the working class, it fucking sucks. Being poor sucks. Um, it means the, production. The working class don't quite seem to have those problems in this movie. Uh, mm, no. And then you've got the vampires who seem to have more money than anyone because all they do is amass. I just was wondering if the Cullens would adopt me. Right? Turn me. It's <laughs> the recession fine. didn't hit forks. Maybe we should all go there. Right. It's true. I mean, in these bo- these movies did come out during the, the recession. So. And I was going to tell say the entire time of any of the books, this whole time, Edward and the movies, Edward is trying to get Bella to let him buy her a car that's yeah. like indestructible mm-hmm. and it shows it Emmett tries to like I already installed the thing in your stupid truck like yeah and it shows that that's one thing that Bella's been given by her dad and that yeah. leads back to their relationship yeah. as well so poor Charlie I know, right? Charlie's a great dad father. yeah he's a great dad he's doing his level best uh you know we don't stand police here but I do stand sheriff of forks Charlie <laughs> Charlie Swan he's the only exception only Thank exception it's true and how uh, can he just allow his daughter like his daughter got hurt fa- falling downstairs, but then she leaves the house and goes to friggin' save Edward. I mean, you know, he, he does stand up for himself at the end of the movie and says, you're clearly grounded, which I do appreciate. Um, you know, it's also just like, it's not perfect. It, it's Again, it's clear that like, when you're pulling from a little bit fun, good, but flawed source material, you're movie is going to be flawed and fun but this is also like as movie film is changing how we're writing the genre um it's true you know we've got scott pilgrim coming out at the same time oh my god scott which is pilgrim. delightful i think ages beautifully uh it scott does. is the fucking worst he has oh, always been the fucking and worst the movie and the books didn't yeah. shy away from that. no absolutely he that's the whole child. thing literally literally a schoolgirl in a yeah. schoolgirl costume oh, uh, i've never seen this movie <gasps> Steph, we have to oh it's so bad you're gonna it. love it but it's actually really good though <laughs> also that movie began my may whitman obsession okay who didn't have a uh, that also she was, oh, she's still so beautiful oh yes i i love i also love uh chris evans doing anything like literally being the biggest fucking ham yes. with his fucking eyebrows i love anytime he has bigger darker eyebrows in a movie he's a villain uh and it has been proven <laughs> to be true because knives out and i believe the gray man not to spoil it i haven't watched it um but yeah those are those things for me that i think were just missing from this that kind of made it super cohesive because there is kind of a hard line of her like seeing the wolves and suddenly being welcomed in the pack and then also um sam's fiance what's her name Emily. Emily has such a bigger role in the book. Oh, yeah. And she's so kind. Yeah, and she's like, she's so kind and so wonderful and so caring and immediately welcomes Bella in what she does do in the movie. But like, we also miss a lot of that evolution of Sam in this as well. Like, he's just kind of a dick. And then, you know, it's one of those things that like in the books, you start to understand that Sam knows he's not actually the alpha, but you know, it's, it's gotta be that time. Um, so let's transition over. What are some things that you think this movie actually does really well in telling the story? Okay, makes sense. 73, I, so she's a little bit on the... Yeah. I feel that the relationship between Alice and Jacob were great because Alice would always make those digs at yep. him. Like, as soon as you take the dog out, like... 
all the time. And it goes through the end of the books, but you can tell that she has such an adoration for Jacob because, you know, it's just that I think it is that moment of every, you know, for Alice is the only one that can really see anything involving Bella. Correct. She's the only one whose power. Well, Jasper too. With Jasper too. Because they're yes. connected. Yes, I think it's because they're connected. And Jasper, I think they've always said too that Jasper has to work harder for it to work on Bella. Like Correct. it's effortless. Where I mean, and we see with the Baltari in this that like their powers do not work on her. Mm -hmm. You know, which is setting up a very cool thing because I think a lot of us at this point went great. What's Bella's power? She's obviously going to have to have a power. Because they're making too big of an idea about her being a special mortal. Mm -hmm. um, but then this idea that Alice can't see past the wolves, which I think is really interesting. So I agree. And, uh, you know, that's something that I, I think I do remember cashing in on better in as the movies go. But I'm wondering with that, what you just mm -hmm. said, if maybe Bella knew that Alice was going to be upset about that. So she used her protection, even though she didn't have them yet. She used it all along with all the other ones. I think she understands that she knows Alice is going to be able to see her. Yeah. Because Alice is the only one who can and didn't think about there being any, in, you know, getting in the way. So I do. So that streamlines to Eclipse mm -hmm. where she, um, one of the Volturi is playing with Alice's visions. Yes. So they are setting that up, not many people see this, in New Moon for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Well, and they had to make some sort of holes in Alice's abilities yeah. in order for Victoria to come back in Eclipse. Yeah. But the queen... Oh, Bryce Ellis uh, Howard as Victoria. Incredible performance. Absolutely. She's just... Like, even in the newest Jurassic Park where they gave her the worst script ever. She's just, Truly. I root for her always. It was such a great She's so film. good. And she's she's a fantastic. great Victoria in that I just, so Ray, what are some things that just really work for this movie that you think they do well? For me, I'm definitely not gonna say the wig budget. Oh God, okay, so this is something, this is a hill <laughs> I will always die on. And it's how I felt about the new Doctor Strange movie. You could tell oh. when they shot what because of the wigs. Oh, like, and I get that 2009, we were just getting into, like, people learning about Lace Fronts. Drag Race had been on for a, <laughs> this, like, this was the year Drag Race would come on TV, I mm -hmm. believed. It was just before this. And so, like, but, like, Lace Fronts weren't anything new. The black community had them forever. Hollywood had been using them where they needed to. And what's funny that you bring that up is there are really good uses of wigs in this and they're really bad uses of wigs. It's kind of like in the first two Thor movies, the Thor wigs were so bad. Ooh, There's sometimes Jacob, well, and like I will say, this was the time you could tell Nikki Reed get a wig because the first movie they kept making her dye her hair and Nikki Reed is naturally of uh, a Latin Hispanic background. Yeah. So like she has a much darker hair tone which just wrecks your hair. So in this you could tell that like she got a really nice golden like straw golden oh, yeah. wig that matched gorgeous. her complexion because uh, they are setting up the fact that she's a Connecticut wasp. Like this is a thing like that is her background. <laughs> um, and you could tell that they were transitioning Ashley Green into a wig and like Carlisle as my clearly in wigs jasper clearly in a wig but it's just jacobs i think is the biggest offense it truly is and there are some scenes where it looks normal it looks fine and then other scenes where it's askew half the time and just oof baby and what's funny is it's not even those scenes where like his hair is pulled back where he's working on the motorcycle like that is gorgeous and those are always the hardest things to do because you know 
now a lot of people do a full lace line around the entire so you can lay it down in the back if you go to do a ponytail moment all the drag race girls do it um but like those scenes i thought his wig looked great when he's in the truck with her it looks great when just when it's outdoors or when they're in the movie scene like it's just all over rough. the place yeah i i feel like they probably got a human hair wig and went oh this will be great not realizing that like oh it's human hair so it's gonna do whatever human hair wants to do and you're in a really moist environment absolutely and moist is frizzy and mm -hmm. hello florida humidity mm -hmm. uh, but i'm not going to keep saying moist because that's gross he he also <laughs> a lot of the the minimal stunts he did himself yep. so having them making that decision in the beginning for him to even have that on was a big step yeah that they maybe should See, if I were the director, I'd be like, grow out your hair. <laughs> you know, that is one of those things is they kind of knew, but I do know there was a pretty big, quick turnover between Twilight rapping and the movie coming out and then being like, we got to get breaking. We got to go. They didn't we gotta... even think that Twilight was going to be a big hit and it sold out for months, people. Yeah, it was, it was gangbusters. Like, it did so well. But I think it's just because, like, people were looking for those adaptations. That's the power of Paramore, baby. Oh, right, because they did that song for the first movie, right? Oh, I just, now, I'm going to speak for you, Rachel, for a second. Something you brought up while we were watching, which is also for me. Twilight soundtracks always slap. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, okay. it's really their music supervisor, top notch. I remember back in the day when you could go onto Stephanie Meyer's website and she would have those playlists of songs she listened to while writing the books. And let me tell you, so many of those songs ended up on CDs I would burn for myself. I love that, though, because it's also like how many of us haven't found that like perfect thing to listen to? Like I even uh, another Heartstopper's out and it's so good. I've been looking for things as I've reread it for another project coming up that I was like, I want music like this in the background. So I just was recording for another podcast. I don't know if it's out yet. Um, with Kieran Gillen's run of Young Avengers from 2013, where in every... Um, Oh, this is Kieran Gillen. He's an artist, oh. not Karen Gillen, who is Sorry, the actor. I'm no, Amy I did the, I did like, this. I no, I did the her. same thing. I mean, I love her as well. I also love Kieran. He's a phenomenal artist. But what he did in this Young Avengers run was every time he really wanted music to be, like he was talking about music, he'd be like, "Play this song while you're reading this issue today," or oh, you know, I I, I also do love when artists like Zach Braff does this a lot. Will release like playlist. Brian Lee O'Malley does this all the time. Talking about Scott Pilgrim, um, and this was right near the end of when soundtracks from movies were still an experience that you wanted to experience the whole thing, and you went out and bought the CD because you oh, listened yeah. to it. Like Scott Pilgrim does it. This does it. Um, uh, Emo kids were eating good those years. They were, and this was right when when Hot Topic, to save themselves from going under, was licensing. So, like, oh, they yes. leaned into the Twilight merchandise. We talked about this a little bit the last episode, but, like, when those Team Jacob, Team Edward shirts came out, you could not tell the teenagers and 30-year-old moms... That they could not. I remember Burger King did. Uh, it was right when uh, the metal water bottles were coming huge for everybody. Yes. They did Team Edward and Team Jacob water bottles that you bought for like five dollars. I got one as a gift that Christmas. It was the biggest loss when I lost that backpack. Um, like when we're talking about merchandise, 
I'm not sure if you are aware, but throughout the films, because they wanted to help Hot Topics business, they started giving all the vampires different things, like yep. bracelets yep. and necklaces Each. with the Cullen and Crest. Yeah. streamlined yep. it. Yep, the Cullen Crests on every one of their different pieces of jewelry, which I thought was genius. And it had his nice little leather cuff. Mm -hmm. Which Edward also, the boys all have the same leather cuffs. The girls yes. all get different. Alice has the choker. Esme has the ring, and uh, Rosalie has that big fucking necklace. Oh, yeah. of course. Because, of course, extra. But it's also the time she came from. She was a Gibson girl. It yeah. makes sense. Um, and the Volturi got their gold Vs, which are ornate. They're gilded. They are team too much. They're team Vatican. Yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely made me think a lot of things about Italian-based Catholicism when these movies came out. I... To transition, not to transition quickly, but Martin Sheen does God's work in every single, every single movie he is Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Like, Good Omens, everyone stop this right now and go, go watch Good Omens on Amazon. He and David Tennant are just gems together. I, I, th the fact that David Tennant is not in the Twilight franchise, but it's this surprising. was, surprising. but it's also his Doctor Who time, so not super shocking. That's fair. But. Well, and him in Eclipse. It's insane. So and Breaking good. Dawn. Oh. The, yeah. And then also Dakota Fanning oh. being just also team too much and understanding the assignment. She has always understood the assignment. She and her, everything she and her sibling, in. both her and Elle, yes. are so top-notch as performers ever since they were like five and six. Absolutely. So good. Her and her sister always understood the assignment. Mm -hmm. Same with the Panettiere yep. girls. They always understood the, the assignment. I will also say, I think... Elizabeth Olsen understands the assignment in so yes. many ways from growing up watching her sisters go through what they went oh. through. And so, but like, God you know. God bless Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, God. I support women's wrongs. Oh, God. Oh, yes. I will support Wanda from here till the end of time. I because will support of, Agatha, too. Because uh, also, also Agatha, yeah. And it's Fabulous. just, it's one of those things that like, when you, it's very easy for people to agree to go into a franchise coming for the paycheck. <laughs> but you also have these also Jamie uh, Campbell Bauer um, I mean he's just coming off his huge high as Vecna in, in Stranger Things I have not watched it yet because I want to give it some time um, but it's good he put his whole Jamie Campbell Bowersy into that thank series God you worked that into this that, oh because you said it earlier and I was like Rachel you have to find a way to put that on the episode but like he literally doesn't speak the entire movie and is so fucking present I mean his even his clip as young Grindelwald in uh, uh, Half-Blood Prince yes. maybe yeah. Deathly Hollows uh, was so good like he's one of those actors that really understands how much a look can convey and what and like not saying not aged a fucking bit he, he truly aged since Sweeney Todd he is truly a vampire I, I, him and Keanu Reeves. Vampires. I need to know things. I do. Are well, they Scientologists? Is that what it is? No, they're not. Oh, have you seen? No, they're not. Have you seen the photos of a Victorian guy that looks just like Keanu Reeves, but like Keanu Reeves now, not young Keanu Reeves? Yes. I like to think that young Keanu Reeves, because there was a couple of years that he disappeared where he went from that really beautiful sprightly boy to like then showed back up as Neo, uh, right when he was also playing um, the Buddha in that one movie that he yeah. did in early 2000s. I like to think that was the moment that he traveled through time, went back in time, came back to the future to then live a more authentic self. I don't know. I'm just did going to put that out there. Maybe <laughs> that would be on brand. Um, but the whole auxiliary cast, yes. everybody gets it. 
Yeah. Like, everybody really... You know, I like to say the Hunger Games cast did this a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's there for more than just their paycheck. I will say Stanley Tucci and Elizabeth Banks also talking... Just because we can't talk about this era and not also talk about Hunger Games just a little bit. Something I know we all Absolutely. also love. The two of them fully committed in, in Hunger Games in such a beautiful way. And I think the same thing that all of these characters really are, too. Ashley Green really gets to soar a little bit as Alice in this. Um, I, I will want keep. More. Where has she gone? Where has she been? Like, if I could have Stephanie Meyer, please write a book about Alice. I please. want to know everything about her. She is the hidden gem of the Cullen family well, that we address a little bit, but but not enough. She is the manic pixie dream girl of our dreams. We also don't get her backstory. We find out that she's in an asylum. She saves Jasper, but like we have an exhaustingly long chapter about Jasper. We, nothing. we have that Alice Jasper. saved Jasper, but that's all that we have of Alice. And maybe her thought was, man, this could make a spinoff franchise. Well, but it's like, also one of those things that, like, I've always wanted Carlisle's journals because it is same. known in the first one that yeah. Carlisle has journaled since the Dark Ages. Literally since the plagues, Carlisle has... Because, like, also his time with the Volturi would be incredible to hear about. Oh, absolutely. His, his, his time. compassion when they're killing all these different people. Peter Facinelli did a beautiful job in those flashback scenes when they go into the painting and he's just, like, really, like, calmed and pulled back. Because it's also clear that while Stephanie Meyer said she didn't have the inspiration of any other vampire franchises or world franchises because she's Mormon, didn't read them. There's so much of Anne Rice in the Voltari. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that's what a lot of the production brought to it, but they're just beautiful, they're sleek. But I will say that, like, in theory, they did the best they could, I think, with makeup and CG. I think so. With the makeup and the glimmer and things. But, like, this was a movie where I was like, Robert Pattinson looks bad. Like, he looked like uh, in Scary Movie 2 where they have Michael Jackson. And he's, oh. like, white-faced out. And the paint, the lips are a little too pink. His his hair is a little too brightened. He's Everybody got highlights. Everybody got highlights in this too. Like Jasper yes. got full blonde highlights. Emma and Alice went full dark, but like everybody else got a lot of highlights. And it was to also, I think it was the comment was like, the the contacts all look a little different in this. They did. Um, so I think it's the contacts that are there to match the hair because it's that idea of like what undead means to this universe because like they're cold they're stone they're ice essentially they're angels. they're angels pretty much yeah but then it's just like well where does the gold eyes come from because you can also have red eyes where uh, none of the other Volturi have two-toned hair but all the Cullens now have two-toned hair yes. you also see that a lot of the other vampires that show up in Breaking Dawn who are not red eyes also have two-toned hair so I don't know if it's they're just the a part lights of in the darkness yeah Speaking of the Volturi, though, my favorite member is the one that's always ready to die. I can't think of his name. The one who just fights real hard, or or the the third the third the member. Third. Oh yeah, he's just he's always very favorite. gaunt looking. He looks like Keith from the Try Guys, in <laughs> a like, brown wig. Hello, the, are we my name about is the, Keith. The old one. The old the lady's just one. like, can we just end this? Mm -hmm. Like, every time. Favorite part of Breaking Dawn is when he just dies and he says, oh, finally. <laughs> I mean, truly, that is something that, like... Millennials feel. But also, like, Carlisle has his compassion that keeps him going and things and, like, helping humans. Because I do think he feels like he has centuries of rectifying to do. And this is his 
thing playing out. But I guess you hit a point where like, what is eternity? Like other than wanting to die, you see it through. It's what they do. Like uh, they do in American gods quite a bit. Uh, a lot of Neo Gaiman things where they just talk about the gods get so old that they're just like, can I fucking die please? Well, if we're gonna die, just the, let me meet Dionysus first, cause I love that. Oh, my dad, my dad, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad, clearly <laughs> my dad. Yeah, if you all know what I look like and you reread what the twins are described as in Percy Jackson, I always was like, hmm, I wonder. And then my friend was like, you're clearly one of the twins. I was like, yeah, I'm also petty enough that if Hera found a way to have a child out of pure spite and pettiness towards Zeus, I could be her child as well. Ugh, but I I'm don't want to meet Zeus. Don't want to meet Zeus. And after seeing Lord Thub and Thunder, I want to meet him even less. Absolutely. <laughs> what was that accent? Oh my God, the most offensive Greek accent. But back to, I mean, just... I will say something that they did, because you asked about things yeah. that they did really well in the film. Mm -hmm. um, introducing the wolves that we do learn about mm -hmm. um, and trying to bring that from Twilight, the story, the old scary story, yeah. that the way that they portrayed it, her thinking about it, like with Edward being a vampire and how they kind of darkened that whole mm -hmm. story. I thought that they did a really good job with that, and I also thought that they did a really good job setting up the different relationships with her and the wolves yeah. to begin with. Yeah, I agree. And, like, having the boys meet, I do wish we had more time with Jacob's friends before, like, suddenly they're part of Paul's cult. Like, also, I get that they're trying to keep the shape-shifting thing a secret, but how does no one, like, how does Jacob not know something? And the, the one thing that is also missing from this that I believe is in the books, it's really in the books with Breaking Dawn, is the generation between the last wolves and the new wolves, like Billy. Because yes. like clearly Billy would be a wolf, but there was no need for them with his generation. That's true, because so. the Cullens were gone. They had to wait till everybody who knew who they were died out before yeah. they could come back to Forks. Yeah. Or at least until they were very, very, very old time yeah. And I know we're skipping ahead here, but they also did a really great job in Breaking Dawn setting up with the like the smaller boys because every time a vampire comes into the area, a Another new wolf, wolf has, forms. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, and the little boys get called to the pups. Yeah. Oh, I forgot oh, all about babies. that. The babies who also have to go and fight. Oh, God. They, yeah, you know it's really, hurt, though, No, I, I also don't think the two youngest boys went and fought. I think I Seth. Think so. I think Seth is the youngest boy that ends up in that final fight. Oh, yeah. But again, I also again we've talked about this before. I've never seen Breaking Dawn point two. Oh no! What? what? Yeah, I've read the book. Well, Clearly, look, I saw part one. We're gonna have one. to do a podcast. We're gonna on. have to do I it. I will say this is the one time where when a movie deviates from the book, it was done very well. That is what I've heard. Yeah, it's. And it's it's it actually really needed. humorous. Well, and what's well, it has to be because the book is so serious to then have it go. Ha ha! Guess what? It was literally just Alice's vision, and you're like, I felt so betrayed as a reader. <laughs> right? I was like, Are absolutely. you f absolutely? <laughs> I I can't like again. It's it's also hard. Ten years after a franchise is more or less ended, like the movies have come to a halt. It's hard to not be totally retrospective about them and talk about them all together because this was a point where we knew, like, I believe Eclipse had come out. The book had come out. Correct. Yes. 
because I think that the books were always one ahead of the movies, clearly. Mm. And so For they a while, knew. So was Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, we. They knew where they were going at this point. They, they knew Breaking Dawn was happening. Like, this was. She was already writing it. Um, and so that is the nice thing is they could start weaving some of those things together because whether they thought they were going to stick to it or not. And I do, you know, go back to Scott Pilgrim. I do like that the last issue of that comic came out the same day the movie came out and both have different endings because really, yeah. So because Brian Lee O'Malley released one manga a year for six years of Scott Pilgrim. Oh, he cashed in on that. And then the movie came out the same day that the last one did. And he did something very different with the ending in Gideon that just you could do in a comic that was going to cost them way too much for the film. And so it did make sense. It was like the ending ultimately is the same, but also acknowledging that like, oh, they use the subspace highway less than they do in the actual comic and just little things focusing on like our Canada side of things. And so, oh, you know, oh, oh, Canada, um, you know, this is just <laughs> well, speaking of this was also filmed in in a lot of it was filmed in Vancouver. But it's very like super strange when you go there mm -hmm. because everything that they found in Vancouver looks just like the rest but they couldn't film on i found this out couldn't film on, on the, the tour because yep. i'm a nerd everyone they couldn't film on the <laughs> res because of copyright laws and mm -hmm. stuff like that and also it's still a full working reservation mm -hmm. they also because i actually read up because we were actually me and rachel we're going to go to forks for their twilight celebration yes we're both nerds it's fine it's fine um and Listen, when you know the boy Oh, I'm sorry, fiance of the guy who's face Edward for that. You really want to go. It's true. It is absolutely true. I would just say that, like, they, during COVID, the res really suffered. And mm -hmm. it's still to this day, they're not renting out all of their properties to for tourists. I, I mean, let's be honest. We've never taken care of anyone that we forced onto reservations. The American government That's has true. let them down. The Canadian government has let them down. We could, like good that they could not film there because we have taken enough from people. Like true. at this point, I do think, and again, this I'm saying this as someone who is not First Nations that like she tried in a way. Uh, I almost feel like it's better to completely make up someone's like the background of someone's like culture or this particular group than to go in and completely rip off someone's like i'm not applauding her because again oh yeah no you, something is great though i pointed out with the movie is all the older actors are all actually first nations i that think a lot true. of some of the boys are as well which no, is they, very they, all of them are because actually had a person that was a talent agent that was responsible for just the indian culture which is awesome yeah that is, that's phenomenal to me i think and you know what that's before we were starting to make those moves so again we could always do better but this was a really nice opportunity to use that and not you know it was a good stepping point it's a good stepping point yeah. oh. you know and it's you know we have prey that's coming out which is the new uh uh it's the prequel to the predator franchise oh, that geez. you well but so it's about the first time they come and they're hunting the Comanche nation the Comanche nation down but there is a version of the film you can watch on Hulu if you go in and change that the entire film is in Comanche oh, and it will that's be the cool. it's the in first time that this language that has almost died out because of colonialism yeah. is going to be featured on film in its correct 
usage and which so I encourage everyone even if you're not a Predator fan go on Hulu make sure you have to go into the special features in order to get the Comanche language unlock that use it Uh, I would have liked to see them use a little bit I again we don't hear I like that we don't hear the boys talking back and forth to each other in the Mm. books you do in the books you do and it's important because in the book you can get away with that as a narrative but I'm I would worry it would be a little weird in a movie to go between the wolves' brains, especially in this one, they're just trying to focus on Jacob and Bella. Well, and I would There's say we do, because you haven't seen it yet. We oh, do hear Dawn. it in Breaking Dawn, parts one and two, and it is very confusing to pick out who's, whose voice yeah. is talking. Yeah. So it's better what they did with the usage of just Jacob saying what yeah. was said. Mm-hmm. Besides something that's not talked about and not done in the brains on Breaking Dawn is Leah. Leah's thoughts are so annoying Mm -hmm. and woman-like and the boys don't like that. And that probably also has to do with her writing, but like they do not like anything that Leah says because all she is is mourning over Sam the entire time. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, you know, it's also sometimes when women write women, especially if you're not from a culture who respects or loves women, you're not always going to write women the best. Because, like, I don't love how she writes Bella. Bella's kind of the worst. That's Edward is fair. also kind of the worst. Also, Jacob's the worst, but uh, he's just a baby. He's just a puppy. Well, the true worst and the true villain in all of New Moon is Jasper. Yeah. The yeah. constipated confederate. Oh, God, I hate that they like she, like, like makes us... Oh, he wants to make you love a confederate so like it's just why couldn't he have just been a union soldier or why did it matter and he could have just been a soldier that ran and that was his story yeah but i would have preferred that because it's almost worse that he's a southern soldier that goes into mexico like that's almost worse to me like also like it took a character that i was really starting to like and i was like they do so love that is the one thing that even she doesn't really do even at the end when like he does a lot of really good fighting for them like he just doesn't jasper doesn't do it for me at all there's no character growth and i wish it's not jackson rathbone's fault either doing this and then getting cast ahsoka like the poor boy's Mm. career was over well i will say though he made a very convincing woman in criminal minds I have no idea what you're talking about. Has he he been... played a transgender serial killer in Criminal Minds. Oh, that's oh, fun. That's fun. I'm going to have to go. Yeah, gay people do crimes. Do you hear me, gay people, queer people? Go do crimes. Maybe be gay, do, do crimes. Maybe don't kill people, but like be gay, do crimes. The world's ending. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but it's, 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 I think I said this last time too. A lot of these actors have it, they've, they've either done a ton. Or they've done nothing, and I would like to see more out of them. Though the one that plays Esme has been on every crime show. Everything. She's been on everything, and I love that for her. And I'll say this, like I said it last year, I believe. I had a hard time getting to love Esme because of Grey's Anatomy, but I finally moved past it. And I can say that I do love Esme. We love a little personal growth. So as we're kind of moving towards final thoughts, what... What what is a reason for people to go revisit Twilight right now? It's honestly a story that will allow you because it it's very 
just thinking about it, it's kind of in the times right now what all is going on, if you think about it. And it'll help you escape as well. I will say that. I love some escapism. Yeah, and there's a lot of background that, once again, wasn't mentioned that you could read about. And you're like, wow, this would have changed the film altogether. I agree. And um, revisiting it, she just, like we were discussing earlier, came out with Midnight Sun, and that's why I've been revisiting the films. Um, but I also said I'm a Twiheart, so I watched them. They're my, they're my go-to when I'm sad or happy. I, my wife can attest, whenever I feel sick or anything, I'm watching Twilight. If it's not Twilight, it's Harry Potter, but more so Twilight. Yeah, we, we, we all yeah. need the, we, but we also need those things. Like, mm -hmm. we just need those things. And, like, I've gotten to a point where I'm never going to apologize for the bad or cringy things that I enjoy because they're, like, they're my things for my reasons. Exactly. And as long as they're, like, not hurting people and as long as, like, you know, it's... Twilight served its time. I don't know if we could ever have anything like it again just because it's, like... I mean, there's a whole YA... Like, there's a whole side of YA that only exists now because everybody was trying to do the next Twilight. Correct. Absolutely. So, like... Am I allowed to swear? Of course. It basically created a whole genre of monster fuckers. It's so true. I mean, so is there a, is there some sort of red string chaos map that we could connect Twilight to Shape of Water? It's possible. I mean, we've connected it to 9-11. <laughs> We'll go over that timeline again. <laughs> um, I will say, as well, I'm not sure if y'all were aware, but Anne Rice did just die. Uh, thank God she is dead. Yeah. Thank she, goodness. She, she died. And not so, a nice lady. So she, all these books that she wrote, uh, now the rights are going to be released after the estate is well, set. Interview and with the fiction writers, get ready. Well, the very, uh, the very new, very queer, very not white interview with the vampire just started. Ooh, on, fun. Oh, it looks so gay and beautiful. As oh, God, as it should be. Because I'm sorry, all vampires are inherently bisexual, and you cannot tell me otherwise. Well, and I mean, it also, and I'm going to go ahead and put it out there, we can connect Twilight to Blue Bloods, very distant. But still. The police show? No, the... the oh, True Blood. True Blood. True Blood. True Blood. Yes. Sorry, not Blue Blood. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the Suki Stackhouse books, yeah. Oh, got, so good. I mean, and I feel like that's what got HBO to, like, look at those, because they are kind of the grown-up Twilight. They're absolute trash, but, like... They're fun trash for grown-ups. They're werewolves. They're vampires. There's witches. There's fairies. Nothing ever good happens when the fairies show up. I mean, also, I'll also caveat that oh, if you're... I like when you show up. Listen, bitch. You're right. You're totally right. Um, uh, but also, if you're looking, if you were an originally a Twilight fan and you want something a little smutty maybe to visit, uh, a little, but that's like got vampires, got fairies and things, check out um, uh, the Mary Gentry. Is it Mary Gentry series? It's all fairies. But the Laurel K. Han the... Uh, the Vampire Series by Laurel K. Hamilton. It's okay. so smutty, but so good. It's vampires, and then you do have the Mary, I think it's Mary Gentry Series, which is all about the two fairy courts, which are so good. So, you know, reasons to revisit. Ray, what are some reasons for you to revisit the Twilight it's saga? It's just, it's something that brings me comfort as well. I'm not going to lie there. And I definitely dedicated my entire high school life 
to Twilight. I decided I was too grown up for Harry Potter. I wish I had stuck with that decision. (laughs) (laughs) Not me working on a giant moving oven for one and a half years in a theme park. We don't speak for the brand or the company. Well, a giant moving oven could be anything. It could be anything. Have you seen these Disney rides? They have no air conditioning anymore. I mean, neither do our elevators, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But for me, it really is just a lot of comfort. And I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about how Stephanie might have been, like, trying to live through Bella vicariously for some of her, like, more repressed moments. Mm -hmm. We all did. Stephanie, it's okay. I know you're an adult. I don't know what your situation is, but it's never too late to have a hoe phase. It's never too late. Because if you've read Breaking Dawn, that woman... Unleashed it. She unleashed it. She unleashed that beast. I think there are... Never mind. We're not going to continue this. But, (laughs) again, I think we're also at this point... It's true. It's so true. (laughs) Steph just mouthed seven sex scenes. One lasted a full night and into the morning. I mean, you just got to get there. That was not a teen series by the end of it. But uh, they broke two houses and some beds. Still destroyed less her. raunchy than Wicked. Still, it's so true. Gregor McGuire is fucked. But, like, but apparently Emmett and Rosalie, according to the books, broke three houses. Of course they did. I mean, it's just. Was that just the San Francisco earthquake? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but no, I, th- I think we're also at a point where, like, I wouldn't have this franchise if it was, I wouldn't, or this franchise, I wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't for nostalgia stuff. So, like, just revisit shit that made you feel good at one point in your life. And even if it makes you cringe, like, the world is literally ending. We've literally depleted natural resources. Like, our, the doomsday clock, like, we were past that, like, and being able to save it at this point. Here's like the thing. In 2012, the world did end. We went into a black hole. We are in a different timeline than what we were destined for. And also, this is a really nice moment for you to explore your communities. If you've moved after COVID or if your communities are barely staying open after COVID, go find your local bookstores. Buy these books used. Go to your local uh, non-Christian-affiliated thrift store don't go to your goodwill don't go to your salvation army but like out of the closet is great if you have one of those near you go to anything that supports local charities that actually help people especially if it's women's health queer health queer's health and safety women's health and safety find a used copy of these books rebuy these books rebuy percy jackson visit the things that made you feel good go to your local library go to your local library and buy percy jackson because that new series is coming out on disney it's true and he's been on the set the whole time and it actually looks really good so i don't want to support disney you all know how i feel about it but i (laughs) no, you're good but i live and die by percy jackson and rick ruin and everything he's done is just so good and that's example of somebody that's also grown as a writer as you've gone Absolutely. through with Kane Chronicles, the Heroes of Olympus. Also, he just loves writing queer people now. So, like, Apollo is queer, Nico is queer, everybody, everybody's a little gay. And uh, uh, Dionysus. Di- Di- well, I mean, yeah. God of Chaos and Revelry. I mean. He loves writing them. I love reading them. <laughs> well, thank you both for being on the show so much. I appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime. And I feel like we can just tell everybody we'll have to look forward to next year when we will be doing Eclipse. And Breaking Dawn. (laughs) Me neither. Well, until next time.
Don't worry, listeners. No need to adjust your dial. This is Landline Radio. Welcome to the end of the dial at the end of the world. I'm the host, and we bring you stories too chilling and strange to be true. Right from the heart of towns where the lines between this world and the next connect. Stories from people just like you. For those long, dark, lonely nights driving down roads that never seem to end. We'll be here. And don't worry if you can't find us. We'll find you. Leyline Radio is from Dreamer Productions and can be found monthly exclusively starting in October on their Patreon feed. Follow the link in the show notes below to hear and enjoy. We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go. Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.